With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris McPherson, and welcome to another edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I'm joined, as always, by Alex Smith and friend Duffy. Gentlemen, pre-combine week, a week from now, Fran and I will be in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana, getting ready for the 2016 NFL Scouting Combine. The Eagles coaches and executives will be on hand as well to check out all of this year's NFL Draft prospects. We've got a lot of great stuff to get into yes. because mm-hmm. draft season's really starting to heat up. This is when everyone starts to really try to figure out who's going to fit where. You know, free agency is going to come into the fold in a couple of weeks. It's an exciting time of the offseason. And if you've been listening and watching, and now that you're watching the Journey to the Draft podcast now since back in, what, October that we start, now you're, you're really ready for, for this time of year and you're ahead of all of your friends. So if you've been watching, if you've been listening, thank you. So we've got a great show for you today. Our Draft Buzz will look at the latest news and headlines regarding the 2016 NFL Draft. Our Mr. Relevant is Dane Brugler from CBS Sports and NFLDraftScout.com. He unleashed a new mock draft. Who did he have the Eagles take and why? He will explain that. Our unofficial visit will be Oklahoma linebacker slash safety hybrid Eric Stryker. And we're going to get to your questions in our draft mailbag as well. And our pick six, six players with the most approved at the NFL Scouting Combine, whether it's performance from a measurable standpoint, agility drills, the interviews, medical, whatever. These guys have something to gain next week in Indianapolis. But as always, we start things off with Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, a special thanks to all of you who have downloaded the Journey to Draft podcast presented by AAA and you're viewing it wherever, whether it's through iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you very much for your support. Make sure to rate and comment and let us know what you want to see on the podcast. Moving forward, Fran and I will be doing four episodes from Indianapolis next week. Yeah, four episodes. It'll, uh, it'll be a grind, but lots of information to get through once we get out there. Position previews throughout the week once the, uh, the drills start going, so it'll be fun. It'll be a good time, and a thank you to our producers, Brian Thomas and Mark LeBlanc, for making this show happen, as always. So to kick things off here on Draft Buzz, our good friend Tony Pauline from DraftInsider.net does a weekly Draft Buzz column for PhiladelphiaEagles.com and had some big nuggets in there this week. One of them was a potential concern for a player who might be the top-rated receiver in this year's draft class. Laquan Treadwell is possibly able to run in the mid-4-5 range, and if he's able to do that, he would be happy with that performance. So he's not going to run a blazing fast 40 time. The question will be how much will that impact his draft stock? Yeah, and that's what's going to be very interesting to see. And a guy that is not known for his blazing speed, and I brought that up last fall because after I watched him as a sophomore in 2014, I was really concerned. That was when he played at 230 pounds. He was down to 212 pounds this past year as a junior. And if he runs in the mid-4.5s, now you're worried, all right, well, what happens if he balloons back up? And Is it going to be even slower than that? His game's not predicated on speed anyway, so uh, that's what his people will say. That's what he's going to say. His game's not predicated on speed. He's more worried about winning in those contested situations. So that's what's going to be very, very interesting to watch. How much will it affect a stock if 
Corey Coleman goes and runs in the four threes, like I think it's widely expected. Uh, you know, if Tyler Boyd runs really well from Pittsburgh, that could impact it. So it'll be very, very interesting to watch. I think it all comes down to what a team's looking for, too. If they're looking for that, you know, that blazing fast wide receiver, then they might go for a guy like Corey Coleman. But you mentioned it, Fran. That's not his game. His game is being physical, using his body to win one-on-one matchups. And that's what he's going to do. And I think, you know, if he runs a 4-5, or five, I wonder how many, how many guys have really run in that speed that have gone in the first round. But um, we'll have to see. But it's not his game. So I'm, I'm not overly concerned about it. But, again, it depends on what you're looking for at the wide receiver position. Game speed. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Obviously, guys, you know, they're not going to have the pads on. They're going to run these great 40 times. But how do they look on game tape? Yep. And the game tape certainly has been there for Laquan Treadwell. And it's interesting, too, if you bring up who's the one, one player that he's been compared to a lot throughout the process has been Alshon Jeffrey, who's going to hit the free agent market from the Chicago Bears, a former second-round pick. A lot of people viewed as a potential first-round pick. What did he run at the combine? He ran in the four sixes, I believe. It wasn't until his pro day when then you know he ran a little bit better on, on their turf, and now uh, people thought, talked. You know maybe he's back and he's in better shape and he's going to be able to run better. People didn't feel better about it though until his pro day. So that'll be very very interesting to watch. All right, next up, Mike Mayock, NFL Network analyst as well as the Eagles preseason analyst for our broadcast, released his top five positional rankings, and we'll go through a couple of them here. Some of the notable ones. Quarterback, obviously the hot topic of the debate, especially here in Philadelphia. Mayock goes Carson Wentz as the number one quarterback prospect in this year's draft class. Jared Goff at number two. Paxton Lynch at number three. Connor Cook, Michigan State at number four. A bit of a surprise here, Dak Prescott, Mississippi State, number five. Yeah, Dak Prescott's an interesting one because we saw him down in Mobile. Not an overly impressive week. I'm sure uh, he probably wished he could have had a better week, but... From what you hear, just based on rumors from around the internet and, and anywhere, is that some teams think really highly of Dak Prescott, that he can be a pretty good uh, quarterback at the next level. So we'll have to see there. Fran, I know you're not too happy that Christian Hackenberg didn't make the top five. Uh, but uh, Of course. We have, to get a, we have to get at least one Fran Christian Hackenberg reference into every <laughs> podcast, so I figured we'd get it out of the way pretty early. But uh, definitely an interesting list. Carson Wentz, number one, can't argue that. Uh, Goff Lynch, and we'll see kind of how those three guys separate themselves at the Combine. But... Uh, Interesting top five. I, I think it's interesting about this quarterback class. As everyone knew who one and two were last year, and then it was three through ten that everyone had the arguments over. And then in this class, everyone knows who the top three guys are in some order. Mm-hmm. Everyone has an idea that Connor Cook's probably number four, depending on who you ask. I would say that's pretty consensus that he's the fourth guy. Now who's number five? And it could be Dak Prescott. It could be Hackenberg. Uh, it could be uh, Jacoby Brissett. It could be Cody Kessler could be Kevin Hogan. There are a lot of players now. Jeff Driscoll, I know, in that buzz piece from Tony Pauline. A yeah. lot of people uh, are gaining some buzz there with, with Jeff Driscoll. So mm-hmm. a lot of different names to throw. I'm pretty surprised that Prescott is the name that's in there for Mike as well. And I think it's funny how so many people can you know watch these quarterbacks and rank them. You know Everybody can have a different order. Sure. Uh, Brandon Allen from Arkansas was another guy that we saw in Mobile, and I think it was Phil Savage who actually said that he kind of stood out to him from watching him at practice, and he could be you know a guy in the later rounds that the team could develop, and he could be a pretty good quarterback. Meanwhile, me and you watched, and we were like, oh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see. But, you know, it's, it's just interesting how people can view these quarterbacks and, you know, rank them in so many different ways. It's interesting with Allen that it seems like a lot of the people that have been around the league for a long time or have been watching the NFL for a long time, I'm talking, you know, multiple decades now, mm-hmm. they seem to really like Brandon Allen. And for whatever reason, that might just be because you know he's a little bit mobile. He's got he got some movement to him. He doesn't have the biggest arm, but shows the ability to move in the pocket. Uh, can you know, can be accurate on the move. I think I think he's got some intri- intriguing traits. But in person, I agree, he's yeah. not a guy that's going to wow you with his arm. 
All right, next up, running back position. Ezekiel Elliott, clearly number one. Yep. Derrick Henry, number two. But surprises at number three, especially that your boy Kenny Dixon yeah. wasn't there. Kenny Dixon was at number four, I believe, and he put Devontae Booker, the senior out of Utah, a guy that a lot of people saw as the number one senior coming into the season uh, ahead of Dixon, ahead of Jonathan Williams. Booker was getting a lot of love in a lot of the preseason publications last summer. So uh, Booker couldn't go to the senior bowl because of an injury. Apparently he's going to be able to work out at the Combine, so we'll see. I think he's, he's one of those guys that will need a big week of testing. He'll need to test really well because that's one of the questions with him is what kind of an athlete is he. He catches the ball really well. He's a good blocker, has third down value, and he's got good size, but how explosive is he, how shifty is he, how quick is he, that'll be a big question for him. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting to see Derrick Henry here at number two. We talked about him on last week's show, how he's kind of this polarizing back where some people think he could be, you know, could be great. He might not actually have a spot uh, in the, in, you know, a spot as a featured running back in the league. Uh, so I was really interested to see Derrick Henry on there at number two. Uh, but then Ezekiel Elliott, I think it's kind of a situation like Todd Gurley last year, um, where you see him mocked in the top ten potentially, and it's you know, it's that debate of do you want to take a running back that early or do you wait till later. Uh, so I'm really interested to see where Ezekiel Elliott winds up because I think he's a really, really talented runner. Reading a lot about Henry since our podcast last week, especially the whole boomer bust uh, prospect with him, where those who are big fans of him say Eddie George. You look mm -hmm. at Eddie George type back when you see him. And we discussed on the podcast last week and we see like a Brandon Jacobs, who good NFL starter certainly, sure. but how high are you going to be willing to take someone like that? And with someone who's going to have the size concerns, how long will be able to hold on to that and be able to maintain his production throughout the league? And there are some people who say, for a man of his size, he's going to wow people at yeah. the Combine with his athleticism next week. Well, especially the speed in the open field, and that's something yeah. that he's always shown, is once he hits the open field and he's got to just get downhill and go, uh, he's got that breakaway speed. And for a guy who's 240-plus pounds, that's very, very impressive. But the, the shuttles, the, the three-cone, the short shuttle, those are going to be the ones where if he tests well there, that'll go a long way towards his draft stock. And if he doesn't, that'll just be, you know, it's not a huge red flag because I think it really is just going to almost be confirmation bias to those that don't think he's quite athletic enough. But the big question when you talk about Derrick Henry and his draft stock is, can he make it to that second contract? If you're going to draft a guy like that who's got so much mileage uh, you know, on his resume, you know, are you going to be able to draft him and confidently say he's going to be able to play at a high level and last four or five years down the line? Well, that was another great discussion on Twitter about the amount of running backs who do get to see a second contract. You don't see too many running backs selected very high who get to see a second contract right. with a team. So is it worth it knowing that you're going to get good production for the next three, four years, but know that you're going to have to move on very shortly thereafter? Right. Or do you just say, you know what, I'll take the value in the later rounds where the cost won't be as high, and you're more willing to say, all right, if I only have him for a couple seasons, then so be it. Sure. Uh, the safety position, one that could be of interest to the Eagles, depending on what happens with Walter Thurman this offseason. Uh, the top ones here, Carl Joseph. Now, he's coming off the injury. Yep. West Virginia, number one. Miles Kilbrew, who you guys talked about down at the All-Star Games, put on a show physically, Yes. if anything Might else. Might have been the Mr. Universe there. And uh, Jeremy Cash. Uh, so, Kilbrew and Jeremy Cash, four and five in the top five list. And Cash is, you know, the intriguing hybrid player where – you know, if you're going to draft him, you got to have a plan for him set mm -hmm. in place because of what he does bring to the table, but where he's also limited in some other areas. Yeah, I think with all three of those guys, 
you really have to have that plan because I think all three are a little little bit limited in terms of what they can be on the back end for a defense. You know, mm-hmm. can they play in space? Can they play a slot uh, over a, a third receiver inside? I don't know that all three of those guys are going to be able to do that. I think some teams may see Killebrew even as a linebacker. Some teams right. may see Cash as a linebacker. Uh, can Joseph be a prototypical strong safety type? You know, that's going to be the question. It's clear that Mike has a, has a type. He definitely likes those hard hitters, uh, guys that can play close to the line of scrimmage, and all three of those guys can do that. The question then becomes, and this is an interesting philosophical point, is you know, if you want to draft a player that, yeah, he could help you on the back end, he's an athletic linebacker type, why wouldn't you draft uh, you know, Deion Jones, who, who's an athletic linebacker? Why wouldn't you mm-hmm. draft an Eric Stryker who has that athleticism, has that ability to be able to play in space? Uh, and that's the discussion you're going to have with Miles Jack is, you know, Miles Jack isn't that, you know, prototypical thumper inside that's going to get 100-plus tackles a season, but the fact that he can line up all across the formation and do so many different things for a defense, that's where his value comes. But now you bring in, oh, well, what's his role on the defense? And if Jeremy Cash can fill a similar role as a Sua Cravens or as a, as a Miles Jack, what is his value then for a mm-hmm. team? It'll be very interesting to watch. Yeah, Jeremy Cash was a guy I liked uh, when we saw him down in Mobile too. But, again, it's finding that fit, you know, that – you know, some defenses like to run that safety linebacker hybrid uh, like Deion Buchanan in Arizona. So, it, you know, he's going to have to find the team that fits him, but I think Jeremy Cash is a pretty interesting player to watch. All right, Lance Zerline came out with his top 100 list and the top five players, Laramie Tunsil, the tackle from Ole Miss, Miles Jack, who we just talked about, the linebacker from UCLA, DeForest Buckner, number three, Ezekiel Elliott, who we just talked about, the running backs, number four, and Jalen Smith, the linebacker from Notre Dame, who's coming off a very, very, very significant knee injury, you know, obviously he'll have the medical checks at the combine to see, you know, how severe the injury is going to be long term. But those are the top five players. Anything else stand out on this list to you guys? You know, it was interesting. The first thing I did was look at who was number 13. You, know, you want to see who's that 13th player, and it's one of my favorite players in the draft. It's Leonard Floyd from Georgia, uh, the pass rusher. Now the question will be, Will the Eagles draft a pass rusher at 13 with Vinnie Curry coming back? You have Brandon Graham. You have Marcus Smith, who you just drafted. You have Connor Barwin as well. Uh, will a defensive end in this 4-3 scheme be a priority? I wouldn't rule it out. You know, We talked on the Eagles Insider podcast this week about Jim Schwartz and that scheme and what he can be and what, what he's looking for. I wouldn't rule out an, another addition of a pass rusher. Will it be at 13? I don't know. I think Leonard Floyd is very worthy of being in that top, five, you know, top 15 range, though. Yeah, it was interesting to me that Jalen Smith was able to sneak into the top five there, despite the injury that you mentioned, C-Mac. And then guys like Joey Bosa, Carson Wentz, who I think a lot of mock drafts recently have had those guys in the top five, and they're not in the, the top five here. So um, it just goes to show you the, the difference of opinions. But it, it's hard to argue. You know, We've talked about Larry McTunsell for months now on this podcast uh, and how, how talented he is. Uh, Miles Jack obviously has a lot. I think he's building a lot of momentum heading into this process, uh, heading into the combine. So uh, it's hard to argue with really anybody on this list. I think that what's, what was interesting, too, after seeing who was in 13 was, all right, who were, who were the surprise names in the mm-hmm. top 30? You know, who, who was I really shocked to see? And there were a few. You know, Derrick Henry at 22nd overall I thought was surprising to me. Uh, you know, you look at Kyler Fackrell, the, the, yeah. the line. We saw him down at sure uh, the Senior Bowl from Utah State at 24. And Manny Ogba, the defensive event from Oklahoma State at 28. Very surprising to see those guys ranked in that top 30 range as a first-round grade there for Lance. And on the flip side, guys who we would expect to be in the top 30 but weren't there, Taylor Decker. Yeah. He's been mocked to the Eagles in some mock drafts. Mm-hmm. He's 42nd well, on the list. And that's exactly what, what have we talked about. When people talk about Jack Conklin or Taylor Decker or any of these other offensive linemen going to the Eagles at 13, right. 
Are they the 13th, are they best, the 13th player? best player? If Taylor Decker is the 42nd best player in the draft, you're not drafting him at 13, no. regardless of need. Noah Spence. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about him, and his stock seems to be rising. He's 53rd on this yeah. list, and Ohio State linebacker Deron Lee, 64th yeah. on the list. So, And people think that he could be a first you know, possibly a late first-round selection. So very interesting there to see where some of these guys, and of course it's going to be different with evaluators across the board. That's why you almost wish you could see at the end of the draft all the teams just put out their list of who they have in which rounds. Yeah. Instead, you got to wait for the Cowboys to release their uh, their war room picture that they do yes. every single year. Uh, for Valentine's Day, hope that all of you had a wonderful Valentine's Day this past weekend. NFL.com did a piece on who is your man crush in this year's draft class and some interesting selections. Daniel Jeremiah went with Miles Jack. We talk about quite a bit. Understandable. Bucky Brooks went with Jalen Ramsey, and he's such an intriguing prospect because he's not your typical corner who would say go in the top five, top ten picks, but he's someone who's mocked to be potentially a top five selection in this year's draft class. I love Ramsey. I, I think that he's one of the five best players in the draft, and I, I think that even though he wasn't always used that way, especially last year or two years ago now as a sophomore. He wasn't a prototypical corner. He played inside in the slot. He played at safety. He played in the box as a linebacker. He played over tackle as a pass rusher coming off the edge. Uh, it wasn't until his junior season in 2015, this past fall, that he went outside and he played that boundary corner spot. I think that he's a freak athlete, and he's going to tear up the combine next week. Uh, at his size, the way he moves is special. Uh, it'll be very interesting, though. I, I, he did have some lapses in concentration this past year, gave up some plays down the field. I'll be very interested to see, ultimately, where he ends up. I don't, I don't blame Bucky, though, for having him as his man crush. All right. And then Charles Davis went off the board with another cornerback, a small school prospect in Harlan Miller as his man crush. Harlan Miller's a guy we saw. That's right. Down Senior, in Mobile. Senior Ball was named the, the practice player of the week at the, the, in the secondary. Uh, big kid who can run well. I thought he had a good week of practice. Got better every single day. Uh, it was one of my favorite small school players going into the week of practice at the Senior Bowl. But I have a feeling, I was thinking about what, who mine would be if we were to do this. I have a feeling who yours is, though. Uh, yeah, but it's a chalk answer. Yours Carson is Carson Wentz. Wentz. Uh, that's that's easy. But I was, try I was actually thinking as we were just going through this, if I wasn't going to go Carson Wentz, who I would say. And I was trying to think about that. And I don't know who it's going to be. Yeah. Who I, would your answer be? You know, I think that mine would either be Kenneth Dixon. Okay, that's fair. Kenneth Dixon, Jihad Ward. I, oh, I, that's, I, a that's, a, that's a big one. That's I'm a big, big one. I'm a big fan of Jihad Ward. Um, that's a tough one, though. I mean, I've always loved Reggie Ragland too. I know. I think Reggie Ragland was one of uh, was one of Mayox. I'll go with I'll go with Jihad Ward, though. Jihad Ward's a good one. Yes. It's like asking uh, a friend to pick one of his kids here. I know. He's just, he's just going through like. <laughs> let's let's do a little mock draft action. This one comes from our good friend Josh North at Roto World. Uh, you know, certainly offensive line. Yep. Will need to be addressed at some point in the off season. Mm -hmm. Goes with Stanford's Josh Garnett. Yes. At number 13. And as we always say, it's almost like the recurring line when we get to this point. If he's the 13th best player right. in the draft, that's one thing. Is he that special player? Well, there's, there's two things that I think go with this. One, uh, Josh is always going on CSN Philly. He obviously works for NBC Sports, does a lot of different things with CSN Philly. And he told me that one of the things that popped up is that consistently he would go on there and do, oh, who should the Eagles take at 13? And he would ask the producers and ask the talent, well, who, what are the biggest needs? And I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. And every, every single time, the producers or the talent for CSN would say, oh, they need a guard. They need a guard. They need a guard. Well, what else? And they would say, we need another guard. 
Uh, you know, so I think that he he said, look, we, I need to give you the best guard available. Okay. And he went with Josh Garnett. But what's interesting, though, you look at the next five picks after yeah. that. Yes. And your boy, your man crush is there. Carson Wentz is on the board, goes after Josh Garnett. He ended up going, what, uh, 15th to, to the LA Rams. He's got, he's got Carson Wentz, Mackenzie Alexander, Corey Coleman, Michael Thomas, and Ezekiel Elliott all going after Josh Garnett right. in this mock. I think, personally, I'd rather have any of those five ahead of Josh Garnett because he's a guy that we watched uh, down in Mobile. Had a good week. He had a good week, sure, but I don't think either of us watched him and said, that guy's one of the top 15 players of in the course. draft. I don't, th- I don't think we, we thought that way. Um, and we saw some really good offensive line play. We saw some really good defensive line play. Um, I think those were two of the biggest position groups that helped themselves down in Mobile. But I just seeing him go number 13 is a little bit too early for me. But you never know. Never know. You never know. That's at least it's fun that he takes he goes outside the box. Certainly know because you start seeing mock drafts and you start to see the group thing. You start to see the same five consensus Mm -hmm. players go in the top five, and you pretty much see the same players just a different order in the first round. It's it's nice to see someone throw a little. Sure. And you see that he did that in his top five because he had Jalen yeah. Ramsey going number sure. one to Tennessee. He had Bosa two to Cleveland. Tunsil falling to San Diego at three. Jack going to Dallas, and then Noah Spence going number five. We just talked. Uh, Lance Zerline had what? He had Spence at uh, 53. number fifty-three. Mm-hmm. Josh Hasman at five. So it just shows you the disparity between you know two analysts who are very well respected yeah. and do a great job and do a lot of work. Uh, you know, seeing two guys, seeing a, uh, one player two very different ways. And look, Josh Garnett could go to the combine and tear things up, right. and then all of a sudden we look like fools. I look like a fool for saying what I just <laughs> said. Uh, and, and Josh Norris looks great because, you know, he, he was a big fan of Garnett all the time. So there's still a, a long way to go in this process. But it's not like that Garnett's going to do stuff at the combine that's going to wow you over. I mean, he could run a fast 40, and you're like, well, how does he move people off the ball? Sure. You're not really going to see that aspect of it. So thankfully, for your sake, you don't have to worry anything about that much from the combine. As far as we know. Yes, at this point. <laughs> we shall see. All right, so speaking of mock drafts, we're going to transition to our Mr. Relevant and welcome in Dane Brugler from CBS Sports and NFLDraftScout.com to let us know who he selected with the 13th pick for the Eagles and offer some other insight into this year's NFL draft. It's time for Mr. Relevant. This week's Mr. Relevant on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA is from CBSSports.com and NFLDraftScout.com, and that's Dane Brugler, NFL Draft Analyst. And Dane, it's a time for mock drafts. The combine is next week. Everyone wants to know who will the Eagles select at number 13, and you have them taking Paxton Lynch, the quarterback out of Memphis. Why do you have the Eagles selecting Lynch at number 13? Well, with Doug Peterson bringing his version of the West Coast offense to Philadelphia, Lynch fits what he wants to do, or at least what we think uh, Peterson wants to do uh, as a play caller. We have different run-pass options, zone repackages. Also, he can open things up vertically if he wants. So I think when you look at Lynch, uh, he's a little bit of a late bloomer. Uh, you know, he hasn't been going to these quarterback camps since he could walk like most of these prospects. So he's very young in football years. Uh, but if you ask his teammates, they'll tell you the development that he's made the last three seasons, uh, his personal growth, his work ethic. And from a scouting perspective, you know, Lynch checks all the boxes that you want with the size, the athleticism, the arm talent, the field vision, the appetite for football. It's all there. 
the big question is when will Lynch be able to take over as the full-time starter? So I think his pro transition requires some time, uh, and he might not be perfect in every area, but the ingredients are there for Lynch to develop into a successful starting quarterback. So I think if he's there at number 13, it would make a lot of sense for Philadelphia. So, Dane, looking at uh, some of the players that come off the board after the Eagles take Lynch in your mock draft, Reggie Ragland goes to Oakland, Laquan Treadwell's off the board, uh, and so is Taylor Decker. Any thoughts on having the Eagles take one of those three players uh, or perhaps somebody else? And what was the thought process like of having the Eagles take Lynch here? Well, you know, picking number 13, obviously, you know, still the, the first half of the first round, but there should be some, you know, really talented players available for the Eagles. And when you look at it with, with Reggie Ragland, uh, you know, a two-down linebacker who you hope can be a three-down guy, uh, I'm not sure. We'll see what happens with the Eagles and their linebackers. You know, with D'Amico Ryan, is he going to still be on the roster? Um, so Reggie Ragland, you never know. He could be in play. Laquan Treadwell, receiver. Feels like the Eagles have spent a lot of resources on the receiver position, but it's still a need. And so I think Laquan Treadwell could be in that discussion. Uh, he's not going to run the fastest 40 yard dash at the NFL Combine, but he doesn't need to because on tape, he understands how to win with his skill set, uh, his catch radius, his physicality. And for a player that doesn't even turn 21 until the summer, uh, he has grown man strength. So Laquan Treadwell uh, is the top wide receiver in this draft. Uh, Taylor Decker I had going to the Lions. Uh, they have a, a strong need at right tackle. I think he's a plug-and-play option. Um, Atlanta with Darren Lee. That you know, Atlanta is looking for more speed on defense, just like I think every team is. Uh, Darren Lee is a former quarterback, moved to safety at Ohio State, and moved to linebacker. Uh, so he's you know we talk about Paxton Lynch, young in quarterback years. Darren Lee's very young in linebacker years, but he reminds a lot of scouts of uh, Ryan Shazier, who he replaced. Uh, at the Buckeyes, uh, on the Buckeyes defense on that walkout linebacker role. And then Ezekiel Elliott, yeah, he's uh, you know, really intriguing. Obviously, I don't, I don't think he'll be an option for the 13 uh, in the Eagles, but you know, he, Zeke's going to go somewhere in the first round. Uh, you just have to find a place for him, and I don't think he's going to last too long because he has a well-rounded skill set. He's everything, he does everything really well. It's hard to find weaknesses to his game. And even though you know, it's not popular to take a running back very high, he impacts the game in so many ways with his ability as a blocker, pass catcher, and obviously as a runner. So Ezekiel Elliott, uh, even if you don't have an immediate need at running back, he's the type of running back that'll be on the board for all 32 teams. And in that mid-first round, teams need to have a discussion about whether or not to add him to the roster. And Dan, every fan out there wants to know, other than what their team, what direction their team goes in, everyone wants to know about the top five. And I think that your top five pretty much is a consensus of how people feel right now in the media. You've got uh, Laramie Tunsil going number one to the Titans. You've got Carson Wentz going number two to Cleveland. DeForest Buckner going to San Diego at three. And then Joey Bosa and Jalen Ramsey rounding out the top five. How, tell us, which of those, of those five teams, who do you think is the hardest to project about where, which direction they're going to go at this point in the process? Well, yeah, you start with the Titans at number one. Uh, if they decide to keep that pick, they'll have options, obviously. But when it comes down to it, Laramie Tunsil is, in my opinion, the best player in the draft. And the top priority for the Titans should be to protect Marcus Mariota. So I think that makes a lot of sense. The Browns, number two, you know, we have a good feeling that they're probably going to go quarterback. But which quarterback will they go? I think that's the big question in Cleveland. Obviously, you can make a case for Carson Wentz. 
for Jared Goff. You know, we'll see them at the combine. We'll get a better sense for who they are uh, there. And then I think the Chargers at three, uh, you know, they have some question marks on both sides of the ball. They can go in a few different directions. They need offensive line help, but they also need help on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Cowboys, to me, I think are the wild part of the top five because of the quarterback situation. Uh, Tony Romo's about to be 36 years old, missed most of last year. It's hard to really uh, have a good feeling for him starting 16 games next season. But if you draft a quarterback at number four, uh, you're pretty much, you know, he's not going to help you in 2016. Uh, He's not going to, if Tony Romo goes out, it's not like you're going to insert Jared Goff or Carson Wentz, and they're going to lead you to the playoffs. That's just not realistic. But, you know, those lean years uh, between Aikman and uh, Tony Romo, I mean, a lot of Cowboys fans, that's fresh on their minds. And so a chance to get that future of the franchise with a Wentz, with a Goff, maybe even Lynch, uh, you know, that's really going to be a, a, an interesting discussion as we move forward with the Cowboys. If a quarterback that they like is available, do they pass on a Joey Bosa or a Jalen Ramsey in favor for a quarterback who isn't going to help you for another couple of years? What are your thoughts on the quarterback group as a whole? Obviously, you have Lynch to the Eagles at number 13. You have Wentz going as high as number two to Cleveland. Now, we've seen in previous drafts where even if you don't have the Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston-type prospect, guys will still get pushed up the board draft weekend. What are your thoughts on this year's crop of quarterbacks as a whole? Well, yeah, I think it's a much stronger group than last year uh, overall. From top to bottom, we will probably see about a dozen quarterbacks drafted this year, you know, basically double what we saw last year. Uh, but at the same time, I think if Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota were in this draft, they would be the top two quarterbacks. And that's not to say that Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Paxton Lynch aren't good passers. We just have question marks about them. So it's going to be interesting to see how these quarterbacks come off the board, uh, you know, after the top three, uh, be it Connor Cook, uh, Christian Hackenberg, you know, two real big wild cards. Connor Cook, I think, can start in the NFL. He just has a very low ceiling. And then Christian Hackenberg, his tape is just uh, it's atrocious at times. But he's going to go to the combine, and he's going to wow scouts because he's going to be throwing in shorts. And that's what really – that's his element, you know, showing off that arm strength, showing off his size. And he's, uh, he's going to do well during the interview process as well. So he's, some team's going to fall in love with the tools and probably take him in the second round. Um, and then another wild card is Cardell Jones, uh, you know, a player who's 11-0 and as a starter at the college level. But obviously, uh, strong, uh, you know, question marks about his game overall, how he'll transition to the pro game. He has the size. He has the arm strength. He has enough mobility to move around. Uh, but really, it's the mental side of the game that uh, scouts are trying to figure out, you know, what's his grasp of the offense and, you know, how much uh, uh, mental capacity does he have to get better and grow as, a, as an NFL quarterback. And then there's that third tier of quarterbacks on day three who could potentially, you know, come in and, and make a roster of guys like Jeff Driscoll out of Louisiana Tech, Dak Prescott, Brandon Allen, uh, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, there's so many talented quarterbacks in this group that it's a, it's a really interesting class of quarterbacks. It doesn't have that top, clear-cut quarterback at the top, but from top to bottom, uh, there's a lot of different flavors uh, at the quarterback position depending on what your team wants. Now, Dane, you've also started a series uh, on the prospects with the most to gain at the upcoming combine uh, based on four different areas, measurements, interviews, 
medical and agility drills. Uh, you posted the first installment uh, on Tuesday, um, which was talking about measurements, and guys like Corey Coleman, Vernon Hargraves, Mackenzie Alexander, and Ronald Blair were on that list. Uh, can you kind of go through what your thought process was of putting these lists together uh, and maybe give us a sneak peek of what's to come? Yeah, when you look at the combine, I think there are four main areas, uh, you know, testing areas. Uh, the verified measurements, you know, a lot of the seniors we already have from uh, the Senior Bowl, the All-Star Games, and then, you know, during the fall when scouts went on campus. But for these, you know, 100 juniors that came out, the underclassmen, uh, there's a lot of question marks. Guys like Jared Goff, you know, what's his hand size? Corey Coleman, is he closer to 5'11 or 5'9? And Vernon Hargrave, if he falls below that, Five and a half, uh, five feet ten inches and a half. Uh, he'll be off the board, the first round board for a lot of these teams. So the verified measurements are really important. Uh, the interviews uh, is, is another uh, category. The medical evaluations and then the agility drills. So uh, there's 323 players who will be in Indianapolis, and each one has a different story, and each one has something different to prove. Uh, for a lot of these guys, it's the interview process. A player like Rashad Robinson, uh, former LSU, who we have such a small sample size on tape uh, because of some maturity issues, some off-field baggage. But on the field, he's, he's really intriguing with his size and his length, his speed. Uh, he's a lump of clay that uh, teams will be able to mold and uh, you know, really develop. But again, back to the maturity concerns, uh, how he handles himself during the interview process of the Combine will really kind of tell the tale of where he'll end up on draft weekend. And then the same thing with Noah Spence. You know, he had a good uh, you know, senior bowl where he was able to not only show off his talent on the field, but then in the meeting rooms, uh, he did really well there. He needs to continue that momentum at the Combine, continue kind of rebuilding his draft stock. He's a top 10 talent. Where will he fall uh, in the first round? Kind of a wild card with his baggage, but... Uh, there's so many uh, different areas. It's not just about the 40-yard dash and, and the agility drills. The medical uh, guys like Miles Jack, Jalen Smith, uh, you know, the, those will be important. Uh, the interview process and then the measurements. So uh, the combine, a lot going on uh, that week at Lucas Oil Stadium. Dane, you have two publications of your own that are coming out for draft Knicks and fans of the NFL draft. Can you just talk about the process of putting together all these scouting reports for people to consume? You know, it's uh, definitely a process. That's the best word for it. Uh, it's it's year-round, something that starts over the summer, uh, you know, looking at these seniors, putting together your initial notes, and then throughout the throughout the year, uh, you know, grading and evaluating. And then once as the tape comes in, uh, that's when you uh, study the tape and put the final grades on these players. Um, and then really that's when, you know, here we are now in February when all-star uh, games just finished up, the combine's coming up. You know, that, this is when you kind of cross-check your evaluations from in-season and in the tape study, making sure that you're not missing anything. If a player, a player goes out and runs a, a different uh, 40 than you thought, well, then you go back to the tape and figure out, uh, you know, maybe what you missed or different things like that. So it's a, it's a grueling process, but something that's, uh, you know, really enjoyable for me. And, yeah, I have two uh, publications coming out. One will be on store shelves, uh, you know, Barnes & Noble, that type of thing, also on Amazon uh, towards the end of March. That will focus on the top 60 prospects in this draft. And then my annual PDF, uh, you know, beast where 400 uh, Skyrim reports deep covering every player in this draft in-depth. 
Um, so uh, you know, I'll be I'll be tweeting out details on those two, and so I encourage everyone to you know check it out if you can. Dane Brugler from CBS Sports and NFLDraftScout.com. Thank you very much for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, special thanks to Dane. Some great stuff as always from him. Now in our Pick 6, the six players who have the most to prove at next week's NFL Scouting Combine and whether it's for interviews, medical how they test on the field. For one reason or another, these are the guys. Now, everyone certainly yep. wants to improve their draft stock, but these are the guys who we think have the most to gain. And I'm going to start mine with linebacker Miles Jack from UCLA. Now, a lot of people criticize him for coming out of the draft early, especially his coach Jim Moore at UCLA. He suffered a knee injury, tore his meniscus, missed pretty much the second half, a little more than that of the 2015 season. Still had plenty of eligibility. Moore thought that he should come back and play another season. Thought that, you know, he's still a little rough around the edges, still had time to develop. Jack felt that he's ready for the next level. Well, Jack has been getting ready ever since for the NFL Scouting Combine. All signs indicate that he'll be able to perform in all the drills there. And if he's able to lay up the Combine the way that everyone expects, you know, there's already speculation that he'll be a top five pick. That could certainly cement itself with someone as freakishly athletic as Miles Jack is. Uh, he's going to tear it up. I, I, all, all signs point to that. And, you know, I remember his, uh, I think it was Mike Silver, after his injury, Mike Silver from NFL Network and NFL.com, talked with Jack's representatives and they said, yeah, he, he's going to perform at the Combine, but he's not just going to perform coming off the injury. He's going to tear up the Combine. So very excited to see the numbers that he puts up from the linebacker position. And number two, I went, I went with Robert Kondiche, and we just talked with Dane, and he talked about all the different ways that a, a player can affect his stock at the NFL Combine. There's the athletic testing, there's the interviews, there's the measurables, all these different facets. Well, kondiche has got a lot to prove in all of them. You know, he's got, yeah. obviously, interview-wise, he's got to talk about some of the off-field transgress transgressions, some of the issues he's had away from the football field. Athletically, he's got a chance to really, really help himself because we know on the field what he can do uh, you know, in between the lines. Athletically, he's one of the most talented defensive linemen out there. Very, very excited to see how well he tests athletically. And then also measurement-wise, you know, what is he going to come in at? Is he going to come in below 290 pounds? Is he going to come in above 310? And then how is he going to test when you start talking about not just looking at the raw numbers, but then comparing that, putting it to context with his weight and his length, and putting and now you're, you're really starting to stack the numbers here. He has a, a chance to really, really help himself this week, and it's going to be a big week for Kemdichi. Yeah, and the first guy on my list is kind of in that same vein of players who have multiple things to prove at the Combine, and that's Trevon Boykin, the quarterback from TCU, who's had some off-the-field issues uh, the night before TCU's last game. He's out past curfew, ended up getting arrested that night, so he certainly has to answer those questions of what happened there, and he's got some character issues that he definitely will have to work out uh, during interviews with teams. But also, is he a quarterback? And we talked about it with Tony Pauline on last week's show uh, about whether he's a quarterback at the next level, so I'm really interested to see how he goes out how he throws the football, how he moves around, um, and what kind of a weapon he could be at the next level. So I think he's got a, a couple of different things that he's going to have to prove in Indianapolis. I thought about going with another quarterback for my second pick here, but I said, well, you know, I'll differentiate the positions here. So I went with a cornerback from Notre Dame, Kivari Russell, who missed the entire 2014 season due to academic issues, came back in 2015, had a good season. Now, he's got tremendous size. We'll have to wait to see what he measures in at, but he's listed at about 6'1", a little over 200 pounds, tremendous size, but athletically, he should test really well at the combine. You put those two together, and you're saying to yourself, how is this guy not being discussed 
as a higher pick, as maybe a late first round selection, early second day pick. You know, Mackenzie Alexander, you know, from Clemson, Vernon Hargraves, Jalen Ramsey, those guys are discussed as the preeminent defensive backs in this year's draft class with a strong combine. Russell maybe won't get quite to that level, but should get himself in the conversation to get his stock on the rise. Yeah, to me, when you talk about guys that can really help themselves in the combine, you got to talk about the Heisman winner, and that's Derrick Henry from Alabama. Obviously, everyone knows what kind of a kid he is. Everyone knows about what he is away from the field. But I think the medicals are going to be a big thing for him. Will teams be able to check him through in terms of, you know, how is he built physically? You know, obviously size-wise is going to be important. But then also, Howard, how do his knees look? How do his feet look? When you carry as much weight as he does at the running back position, that's going to be very, very big for him. And then also the athletic testing, and we talked about that earlier in the show, is how is he going to run? How is he going to test in the shuttles? What is his agility, his quickness, his burst? How are those things going to stack up compared to other running backs in this class? Because that's going to be one of the big questions with him is how athletic is he? Does he have the ability to make defenders miss at the NFL level? Does he have the ability to pull away from defenders in the open field at the NFL level? He showed that he could do it to some extent in the SEC. Now he's got to be able to prove it as much as he can in front of NFL decision makers. And my final player here in pick six is, pick six is going to be Eric Stryker, a guy that we just mentioned earlier from Oklahoma. And the big question with him is where does he fit on the defense? He was an edge rusher at Oklahoma, but is he a defensive end? Is he you know, a defensive tackle? Is he going to be a linebacker? Where is going to be the best fit for him? Where is he going to measure? Because he's kind of a tweener. He's kind of in between. Don't really know what spot to put him in. Um, but one thing I will say is that I think he's going to impress teams in the interview process a little bit. Because I was yeah. able to catch up with him when we were down in Mobile uh, and a very entertaining interview, to say the least. So, uh, and Al, actually, I think we're going to hear from him right now in our uh, next segment here, our unofficial visit, as I was able to sit down with Eric Stryker from the University of Oklahoma. The unofficial visit. All right, Eagles fans, I'm joined by Eric Stryker from the University of Oklahoma. Uh, Eric, what's this whole process like for you? Coming down here, being with all these coaches, all these great players, what, what's it like? I've been deemed a great people person. It's sure. Just what I've, I've been hearing it for a long time. You may see it in the media, you may see it everywhere. But I have never been in a situation where I have talked and said the same thing over and over and over again. But uh, I do love it, like I said, because I am a people person. I love, enjoy talking to people. Um, I've been having a good time. It gets a little exhausting sometimes, you know, around 11 o'clock. You got up, you got meetings in the morning, might want to get some sleep, but you got sure. another phone call. Coach want to do an interview with you. And, you know, it's a part of the process. It won't happen again. You go through it one time. It's very extreme. Um, and I, th I think it's worth it at the end of the day. But I'm, I'm having fun with it and I'm doing these. This is, this is my piece. I'm glad y'all came and got me. Sure. This is me escaping that world. So I appreciate that. I'm having fun. So how many different handshakes do you think you've given since you've been here? Like, I need, I need triple hand sanitizer. <laughs> I need like quadruple, you know, I need the extreme hand sanitizer. I need hand sanitizer to come out with, look, for people who shake hands like this, we need like a, a hand sanitizer on steroids, you know what I mean? Sure. The best in the, that really sure. wash your hand like a dude, like you could go two days, you know what I mean, without washing your hands, that type of stuff. That's what I'm looking for. So that's you off the field. How about on the field? What's your game for fans who may not be familiar with you? For fans who may not be familiar and don't have enough money to pay for cable, or, or, you know, maybe you have a job or something that they can't watch the game. I'm a quick guy. I have good instincts, have a lot of energy. You may see me everywhere on the field. Like, geez, he was just over here. 
Ozzy over there, I have a great motor. Um, you know, I have a great effort, relentless effort. I think my effort is why I'm here today. At the Senior Bowl, I think my effort is how I got a scholarship to Oklahoma. And so I think that's probably the best part of my game. Um, but that, I, I give it, I give it all I got. I love, I, I love the game, and I put a lot of passion, a lot of passion, put a lot into it to be great and try to perfect my craft as far as what I do. But uh, I think that's what I bring. Where do you think you fit best in a defense, or do you think you're a guy who can kind of wherever the coaches need you, that's where you go? Yeah, you know that's 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 my biggest thing. Like it's been, that's been my life story. Where does he fit? It's even been like that's where it's been in college. Um, but, you know, I think uh, what I've been doing for a long time is blitzing, and I don't see why I should stop. Not that I will stop blitzing ever. Obviously, I think that will be implemented in whatever I have to do. Um, uh, but I think, you know, I think, you know I'm, I'm good at blitzing. I'm quick. I can kind of cover ground, can cover, you know, have quick breaks on the ball. I think that's uh, uh, kind of whatever job description that mm -hmm. is. You know, obviously, uh, you know, my size, people say, oh, can he be an outside linebacker in the NFL? You know, I don't know. We, we don't know. All I can say is I can uh, work at it and, and get, in a, get in a practice situation, practice in the practice. If I'm successful in practice, I should be able to do it in the game. So uh, we'll see how that all works out. Like I said, it's a process, so I'm looking forward to it. What are you trying to prove to people? What's maybe the one part of your game that you're trying to show that you can do while you're with these scouts here? You know, I mean, just what, what I've really been doing, but I think you kind of, you always, you, you never have, you always, you always have to prove yourself and prove the new people, gain respect for, for new people. And I think, you know, when you go to practice, you show them that you can handle, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the, you know, the next level, the, you know, the, the playbook and, and uh, gain respect that way and, and, you know, make plays on the field. Um, I just want to show them that, you know, I'm a playmaker and I really not change what I've been doing. I've been doing it. I've been pretty successful at it. Um, and I'm uh, and I'm hoping I can continue to have success of what I've been doing and just, you know, just do what I do and not change. Eric Stryker, uh, I hope you find some really strong hand sanitizer. And uh, <laughs> I wish you the best of luck and uh, enjoy the rest of your week here at the Senior Bowl. Really appreciate you for joining us. I appreciate us. it. Nice. Join the Eagle Station. On the clock. All right, gentlemen, it is time to go on the clock. And for today's game, I will give you each three players. Okay. You're drafting as if you're the Eagles. Okay. You get to draft two of them. Which is important. Got to yes. draft as if you're the Eagles. As if you're the Eagles. So yep. thinking about what positional needs you have and, and everything that goes into it. You have to draft two of them. You have to let one of them go. And you have to make the hard decision as to which player has got to go. So the first three I will give you. Kenneth Dixon, Noah Spence, Ooh, and LaRaven Clark. All right. Three so, different positions. Okay, so Kenny Dixon. Kenny Dixon, running back. LaRaven Clark and Noah Spence. And Noah Spence. You're the Eagles. You can have two of those players in this hypothetical. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Kenneth Dixon and LaRaven Clark. Yeah, we yeah, do this I definitely one. I couldn't let Kenneth Dixon walk out the I'm door. I'm surprised that you took LaRaven Clark over Noah Spence. Well, my thinking is, is that Noah Spence is going to require a first-round pick. I think you can get Clark in the later rounds. So I think that if you're whoa, saying... Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. You're changing the rules of the game here. Are well, you taking round into account? I, ha I have to. I, I think, think you have to. I think Fran you want to do this in a vacuum, but Fran, I think Fran I think if you take it into a vacuum, then uh, you're just taking the two best overall yeah. players. Right. If that's the case, then two you're taking Dixon and Spets. Two best players based on positional needs that, that you have. If that's the case, then you're goals. taking Dixon and Spets, because those are the two best players. But I think that Clark offers value in that 
He's a high upside kid. We know how big he is. And I stood next to him, next to the combine. He's towering over me uh, in terms of his wingspan, his hand size, his arm length, obviously his height as well. Uh, he's just a huge kid. He's got good feet, just not consistent enough. And from a technique standpoint, needs a lot of refinement. But obviously, look, Kenneth Dixon, I think, is right there with Elliott in terms of the best running back in the class. Noah Spence, obviously a very talented edge rusher. That's tough to pass up on those two players. If you're taking it in a vacuum and not taking in the evaluation, valuation, not evaluation part of it, then I think that you got to go with both Spence and Dixon. For me, either way, I'm going Spence and Clark just because I think it's too much of a luxury to go with Kenny Dixon. You look at the Eagles and what they have at the running back position, and I don't want to say well, that precludes you from adding a running back, but that position in particular when you can use another edge rusher to add depth to the line, you need to develop a tackle like Raven Clark, great size, physical specimen. You know, I will take those two over Dixon. Interesting. So I would take Dixon and Clark. So I think all three of us took a different pairing there. Uh, very interesting. Okay, up next, next three. Jihad Ward, Tyler Irvin, and Cody Whitehair. Oh. So we go edge rusher, running back, guard with Ward, Irvin, and Whitehair. I would go Whitehair and Ward. You've got to take Whitehair if you're, if you're an Eagles fan because yep. he has feeling pretty good that he's probably one of the best guards in the country, uh, one of the best guards available in the senior class. We saw him at the senior ball. I thought he had a good week of practice down there. Mm. Jihad Ward, and we just said it earlier, he's my, one of my man crushes in this draft, a guy that can come into this. And I think in this scheme, under Jim Schwartz, he would be outstanding inside as a defensive tackle, uh, playing behind Fletcher Cox and playing in a rotation with those guys. Uh, that would be a little bit too much to pass up, even though he's a very, very talented player and would, he's a first-round type pick that you probably don't want coming off the bench. Jihad Ward is an outstanding player. If you only got one? If you only got one, I think you got to take Whitehair, knowing the need. Knowing the need. Mm. And I would say Ward, probably a better player. Yeah, see, I would almost say of the three. So I agree with you on Ward and Whitehair, but even though Whitehair is you know, projected to be a very good offensive line prospect, someone like Ward who can rush outside and inside – even though it's not I know. the need for this team, yep. I think I would take Ward. And defense tackle, you could make an argument that it is a need. Because you know, especially said Thornton's a free agent. You don't know what, what the situation is there. Behind him, you've got uh, Taylor Hart, who you know is, is a good run defender, but not that kind of – he's not Jihad Ward in terms of getting after the quarterback. You know, there, there's some room to, to fill in some depth there. All right, next up, three Shrine well, who, who guys. Who are you taking? I'm going to take Ward and Whitehair. Okay. It's, it's the chalk answer. So okay. after, the first, after the first round where we all had different answers, we all agree. Well, if on you only one. had one, who are you taking? Ooh, Cody Whitehair. Okay. okay. Based on, based on the, the positional lead, I take Whitehair. Okay. So uh, next up, three Shrine Game players. Okay. Graham Glasgow, offensive lineman. Yep. Keenan Reynolds from Navy, running back slash potential slot receiver. And Javon Hargraves, an interesting uh, defensive tackle out of SC State. You get to pick two. One's got to go. Who is it? I would go Glasgow for sure. He's definitely in there. He would be my number one of the three. Mm -hmm. uh, has that ability to play guard or center. Even played some tackle early in his career. So he's got that positional versatility. And he's just an outstanding football player. He can mm -hmm. play uh, outside in terms of getting out in the perimeter and on sweeps and on screens. And then also can move people at the point of attack in the run game as well. After that, I, I would probably go Hargreaves, and a guy that got called up to the Senior Bowl late, and you saw him have a good day of practice on our last day there on Thursday, and then also had a great week of practice at the Shrine Game, and a, and a guy that can play as that three technique and get after the quarterback, did it at a very, very high level at that level of competition for South Carolina State. I would probably go Hargreaves there. Agree again. I look at Keenan Reynolds as a luxury. It's a shame that he's not going to the Combine, yeah. that we won't get to yeah. see him 
out there. But, surprising. You know, but we know how uh, you made a comparison that, you know, he could be a slot receiver yep. at the next level, you know, looked much more comfortable than you would expect after playing quarterback his entire college career in terms of running the ball. So he'll still have to develop from a nuance standpoint there. But still, I'll just take the offensive line mm. and the defensive lineman in this situation. And I do think, and you could say this about Reynolds and the, the guy that we didn't, neither of us took in the last one, and Tyler Irvin, could he be that DeAnthony Thomas type player in this offense for, for Doug Peterson and be that, uh, you know, it could be Danny Woodhead and serve that kind of a role as a movable chess piece out of the backfield and do some things from the slot as well. I think both of those players could fill that kind of role. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you guys again, but uh, it's just like the article that Dave Spadaro has posted uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com right now. Doug Peterson said it all starts up front. So offensive line with Glasgow, defensive line with Javon Hargraves. Uh, sorry, Keenan Reynolds, uh, gonna have, you're going to have to go. Well, what's Darren Sproles in this offense? I think he's that kind of player. That's that's no kind question. of why now. How much more? That's does, right. That's a big question, of and course. that's something the Eagles will have to definitely evaluate. But that, I think when I look at these guys in that role, I'm like, you got Sproles. Of course. Right. So no question. All right, up next, this one is a Fran Duffy special. Three Temple players. <laughs> Tyler Matikiewicz. Hey, you can actually say that and uh, yeah, be a viable question yes, right now. Yes. So. yes, congratulations. Tyler Matikiewicz, linebacker, defensive lineman Matt Ioannidis, okay. or Tavon Young, defensive back? I personally, I would go with Ioannidis and Tavon Young. I, I think they're, they're the two, of the three, they're the two really? best players, the two best prospects uh, from the Temple team. I, you know, I think you, you could factor in Robbie Anderson as well yep. into that group, but... Uh, you know, I would say Ioannidis inside as a defensive tackle had a great week of practice down at the Senior Bowl. And Tavon Young is flying under the radar. The only thing will be with Young, can he play on the outside or is he going to be a slot defender only? We talked to the, you know, the, the, the Eagles could be looking for a slot corner. Mm -hmm. Could Young fill that kind of role? He's shown a guy that can play up against the run, can play in space, can play man, can play zone. Young's a very interesting guy. The size is going to be an issue. It's going to be a concern with both he and Matt Kevich. I went Matt Kevich looking at the fact that I'm probably going to could do more with him in this defensive scheme in terms of him attacking, being a tackling machine, smart, instinctive, everything you want, you know, from the leadership standpoint as well, the linebacker position. Young, the size, I mean, I think he's listed at 5'11", 5'10", so you figure he's going to probably check in a little underneath that. That The size thing, and we don't quite know what does Jim Schwartz want from a size standpoint. You know, it seems like that he does still want the bigger corners, yeah. you know, like the Eagles have been going toward the mm -hmm. last couple of years, so... I went with Ioannidis and Matikiewicz. Matikiewicz has a big, big week ahead of him next week. Yeah. If, he, if he tests well, that'll go a long way towards helping himself. Because I think one of the big questions with him, he's undersized, and we know that. We saw him at the Senior Bowl, I and mean, he's undersized. Yeah. How athletic is he? How fast is he? How explosive is he? That's going to be the big question. Because you can be undersized if you're, if you're athletic. You can be not a great athlete if you're big and strong and physical at the point of attack. It's tough to overcompensate if you're not either of those things. You could be very, very instinctive, which he is, but it's tough to be undersized and not that athletic, and that'll be the, the question he's going to have to answer next week. Fair enough. Uh, I'd go with Tavon Young based on what we talked about with the Eagles potentially looking for a slot corner. Uh, I was impressed with what he did despite his smaller stature, just, uh, what he did in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. I like Tavon Young, and I'd take Matt Akevich. Uh, unfortunately, Matt I nice to be the one that has to go here just because – all the, knock, all the knocks on Matikiewicz with, you know, he's not fast enough, he's not big enough. When you're watching the Senior Bowl on TV, it's, he's always around he's the ball. He's all over the place. He was all over. The, despite every criticism that's been against him, he finds a way to make plays. So, you know, you mentioned how big of a week it's going to be for him at the Combine. 
and it, it definitely is, but at the same time, there's also, you know, the things that don't show up in the stats. Yep. And I think Matikiewicz always finds a way to make plays. So I'd go with Matikiewicz and Young. Um, and Matikiewicz, too, just because the Eagles could uh, add some depth at the linebacker position sure. as well. Uh, all right, uh, next up, uh, let's, let's do one more here. And uh, the last one, we're going wide receivers. Mm. We've got some interesting names okay. here. So you can have two of these players, one has to go. Okay. Corey Coleman, Braxton Miller, okay. and Will Fuller. Ooh. All kind of bring some different things to the table. Mm. Yeah. I would go Coleman for sure. He's the best player you know, of that threesome. Guy that can win big and win small. Really explosive. I expect him to blow up the combine as well, especially coming off the injury. It sounds like he, we talked last week, we weren't sure. He wasn't going to compete. And, and then now it got announced. Hey, and he's coming off, I think it was a sports hernia. hernia. I mean, he's going to work out. It's crazy. He, he's an outstanding athlete. So being able to watch him come out and compete will be very, very fun to watch. Are you concerned about the size? That's one of the, could one be. Of the measurable it guys. It could be who... a thing that will be interesting to watch. You know, yeah. And I compared him last week to, to Deshaun and to Pierre Garcon. Garcon is what, 5'10", 5'11"? I think that if, yeah. he, if he's in that 5'10 and a half range, it's a win. Yeah. He just doesn't want to, You don't want him to come in under 5'10 if you're a fan of him in the first round. That would be the Correct. big question. But to me, it would be Coleman. After that, I think I'd go Will Fuller. Yeah, and I, I think because he's a, he is a, a burner, a guy that can get downfield and win, and I think both, both him and Braxton Miller offer speed, and both of them offer playmaking ability. <sighs> No, but I think I'm talking myself out of it now. <laughs> I think I, I might maybe I might change my answer to Miller because both those guys have outstanding athleticism. Miller really, really intrigued me with his ability to play the ball in the air mm -hmm. uh, throughout his senior season. Down at the Senior Bowl, obviously had a great week of practice. Yep. So I'm going to change my answer on the fly. And that might be the, the quickest flip-flop I've ever seen. <laughs> Look, I, all, this was a good group. This was a good yeah. group of three guys to pick from because all three have very intriguing skill sets. Let's see. Did you take the round and play with? No, that? I didn't. If I did, then I would have. It might have changed my uh, my thought process. You might have to change all over again. I know. So, uh, Coleman. I felt like if I'm going to pick between, for me, it's like Coleman or Braxton Miller, and then Wolf Fuller would be the one to compliment them. Yeah. So, Col I want Coleman. You know, some people think he's the number one receiver prospect of this year's draft class. Um, I want Coleman and Fuller together. Uh, I, I'm a little different here. I'm going to go with uh, Fran's second answer, which was Corey Coleman and Braxton Miller. Uh, just because I think Corey Coleman's a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, he's just an athletic freak. Mm -hmm. uh, he can make those contested catches despite his size. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of Corey Coleman. I think he may be the, the best receiving prospect in this year's draft. And then Braxton Miller really, really impressed me when we saw him down in Mobile. Uh, just a guy who can maybe add a little extra element, a, you know, maybe a gadget-type player. He's got some quarterback experience. I feel like there's a lot of different things you could do with having Corey Coleman, uh, Corey Coleman and Braxton Miller. So uh, it's not necessarily a knock on Will Fuller, but those are just the two guys that kind of stand out to me. That's fair. So. All right, guys. I think we are officially off the clock. Nicely done today. And I think we'll close things out in our final segment here with our draft mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, time to get to your questions in our draft mailbag. The first one comes from at Manny560Q on Twitter. Wants to know if Lynch or Goff is still on the board at number 13, I'll assume, for the Eagles. Says 14 here. Should the Eagles draft either one of them? If they feel that he's a franchise quarterback, and, that, and that's going to be the big question. Obviously, if they don't feel that he's that guy, then you don't draft him, regardless of what the need is. Mm-hmm. I would lean, to me personally, I would lean Lynch over Goff, but I think that you can make the argument for either. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it earlier that it's kind of hard to differentiate right now those top three guys. We yeah. know who they are, 
um, but kind of separating them and finding out, you know, exactly how you put them in order is going to be the really interesting part here. So if Lynch and Goff are still on the board at 13, I think the Eagles take a strong, strong look at drafting either one of them. And I'd be, I'd be happy with either one of them. The question is going to be, Will, is this going to be a draft class where we think the quarterbacks are going to go high, but they actually don't last as long right. as we – or they last longer than we think, or are they going to get pushed up? And then depending on – you figure Cleveland at two is going to take a quarterback unless they trade up to number one or someone moves up to number one, then what's the domino effect from there? Does Dallas surprise people and take a quarterback? You know, Dean Brugler talked about that as a possible option at number four for Dallas, where obviously you're not helping the Cowboys in 2016, but you need to find Roma's replacement sooner than later. You know, San Francisco, what's going to happen with their quarterback situation with Chip Kelly taking over there? So there are some teams that you might be surprised to say right now as we sit here, eh, they're probably not going to take a quarterback, but they may be looking more long-term and get their guy here. All right, second question comes from J.R. Willis on Twitter. Is Boise State's Darian Thompson the best safety in the draft? I, I would say no at this point. I mean, obviously, he's got a very talented player, has had a ton of production during his career at Boise State, especially uh, you know, on the ball down in the, in, in the deep end of the field in terms of interceptions and pass breakups. But I, I think I, I like Jalen Mills a little bit more. I like DeAndre Houston Carson, who we saw from William mm-hmm. & Mary. We saw him down at the Senior Bowl. I think there are a number of different players that you can factor in. Is Sean Davis, is he a corner or is he a safety? Uh, if, he, if you view him as a safety, I would take him over Thompson as well. I know that Thompson's getting a lot of play, mm-hmm. and it's not that he's a bad player. I just don't know. I wouldn't say that he's the number one safety in this class. Yeah, guys like Carl Joseph, uh, Miles Killebrew. So there's a lot of names in play right now. Um, but a lot, like you said, a lot of buzz about Darian Thompson. All right, next question comes from at Dat Martinez fam on Twitter. If somehow DeForest Buckner falls to number 13, should the Eagles draft him? Yes. I think, I think that he won't fall. If, but just if he go does, with the question, Frank. I'm just answering the, the first question. Just part go with first. the question. <laughs> okay. I would say, I would say. Do you know how this whole thing is going to play out? <laughs> I would say. Should we just fast forward? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, have a, I have does. an idea. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think Buckner. Yeah, you have to. He'd be, he's a top five, top ten talent. If he falls to 13, I think you would have to do it. But it wouldn't be ideal. You know, I, I think that obviously you'd want to be able to take that spot and draft him in an area of bigger need if possible. But he might be too good to pass up. Where would he fit in the Seagulls defense? He'd be inside. I mean, he would be probably a nose tackle. Uh, that's the thing is that you're saying you're going to take less snaps away from Benny Logan and Fletcher Cox and do that. So that's why right. I mean, it's not ideal. So that's why I, I look. I know he's a very talented player, but um, I just I would hesitate towards taking him at number 13 when you have those guys ahead of him on the depth chart. Ideally, you're looking to trade down at that point for someone who wants Buckner. Yes, that's what you're doing. The thing is, there are so many quality defensive lineman in this draft yeah. that you're going to be able to get one. And, again, I don't like that argument because you could just say, oh, just get another guy later right. on. No, you need to invest in a certain guy that you like. You can't just say, oh, I'm just going to pick this name out of a hat and have him work in your system. But still, if you need a defensive lineman, and not that the Eagles need one, but depth certainly could be addressed, yeah. this is a good year for it. Next question comes from Carl Stevenson on Twitter. Do you see the Eagles trading down to get more picks? And I think it depends on the scenario, certainly how does the first 12 picks of the draft, assuming the Eagles stay at 13, how do they shake out? If DeForest Buckner falls at 13, then yeah, I do. And then maybe that's an <laughs> opportunity. Uh, we all know the Eagles don't have a second-round pick. Yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. the Eagles would love to find a way to get one. You know, And certainly trading down would be able to give you that opportunity in a draft class. So 
at 13, though, I think you have to see how the board shakes out more than anything else because it could be a situation like in 2014 where you may have your, your targets lined up, and if those guys are gone, okay, then you talk about moving back. Um, but at 13, you can get a very good player. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. you want to take advantage. The Eagles aren't used to drafting this high. You want to take advantage of the opportunities you have to do so. Uh, I think that every team, if given the opportunity, you know, gun to their head uh, on draft day, would say, oh, yeah, if I have the ability to trade down, I want to trade down. Yeah, that's, I think that's what every decision maker ideally wants to get because you're collecting more assets by trading back. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the problem is you've got to find someone to trade up. And so that, that's going to be the big key of it. But uh, to me, I, I, wouldn't be, I, I would agree. I would imagine that they'll be looking to acquire more picks at some point throughout the night. Uh, to me, I think you can get, like C-Max said, I think you can get a very good player at number 13, which is why I would be hesitant to trade down because I think it's a pretty deep group at the top and, and there's some, some really talented players there. Plus, the Eagles already have nine picks, and that's tied for the most in the NFL. San Francisco and Chicago, I believe, are the other two teams that have nine. So you have nine picks. I know you don't have a second rounder, but I it, personally, I'd be more inclined to try to move one of those nine picks and maybe even move up to definitely get your guy in the first round if it's possible with one with one or two of those nine picks and I, I just I think you can get a good player there at 13 and you know again we'll see what happens we'll see you know where the the chips fall but um, I think the Eagles already have a, a decent amount of picks here with nine yeah they got the two third round selections that could yeah. be some valuable ammo in sure. order to move up whether maybe to get into the second round or maybe to move up in the first round to secure their guy. Uh, last one for today comes from Bid the Kid at JB1 Double D on Twitter. Based on the current projected rounds, where does it look like, or when does it look like the Eagles will go after a guard, 13th pick, third round? At what point? Again, we keep seeing these mocks with the Eagles taking one at number 13. And we go back to the same line where, hey, if the Eagles have someone rated that high, great. But if you look at most top 100 or top 50 lists, you're not going to see a guard yeah. you know, up that high. So first would seem a little rich at this point. Mm -hmm. you know, Third round, certainly I think it gets back to, and I forget if it was on this podcast or it was on the, I think it was on the Eagles' entire podcast, we were talking about the state of the offensive line and how the Eagles haven't drafted an offensive lineman since Lane Johnson went number four overall in 2013. Would a sixth or seventh round pick really make that big a difference? Right, mm -hmm. of course. You know, maybe, possibly, yes, but just because the Eagles haven't used a draft pick doesn't mean that that draft pick necessarily would have come in and be able to solidify the line. So, my estimation, you need a premium guy, it's probably going to be, you know, one of those early, I guess you would say the late second day, early third day picks there. So, maybe that third round, depending on how the board shakes up, but you don't want to pigeonhole yourself right. to say, well, First round, we're going to take a D lineman. Third round, we're going to take a guard. We'll take a defensive back with this third round pick. It, you just have to see how the draft shakes out. And I think I'll give Howie credit. I think he does a very good job of playing the draft yep. and seeing where guys are going to fall. It's just, can he do that this year? Hey, to me, I, I think it's more likely the latter. I think it's more likely that you see one in the third round. To answer mm -hmm. the question, yeah, <laughs> I think it's more I likely. I thought to I see was answering the, the question. Round. Okay, maybe it was a more roundabout way, but I thought I brought the car home and parked it in the there garage. There you go. Well, I, I think that it's more likely that you see one in round three than at thirteen. They, uh, not ruling it out, but to me, it's more likely. Uh, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there as well. Um, just because I think that there's some quality guys, it, and C-Mac talked about it in that kind of second, third round range. 
um, you can probably find a starter there. So, and at number 13, you may have other um, more talented players to to bring in there. So, um, just looking at you know where players are projected right now, and we're not saying that oh they're you know we're definitely have to take a guard in the third round. Or we definitely have to take them here. We definitely have to take them here. Just looking at where you know all the pieces are kind of projected right now, where every player is ranked. I think that third round range kind of feels right. All right. Now the problem with that is. If teams know the Eagles are going to need an offensive lineman, they could be saying you got to get above the Eagles at these two spots mm -hmm. in order to get the offensive lineman you potentially want. So great questions from you, the fans. Thank you very much for that. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Again, thank you very much for downloading and watching, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're consuming our podcast. Make sure to rate and comment. Let us know what you want to hear and see down the line, especially next week, as Fran and I will be in Indianapolis for the 2016 NFL Scouting Combine. A special thank you to Brian Thomas and Mark LeBlanc for handling everything behind the scenes to help make this happen. For Alex Smith and Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been watching the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA.